Okay, you ready to start this show? Uh, your host of the evening is a really funny dude. Um, I forgot his last name, but I've seen him before and he's really funny. Uh, give it up for Mike. Oh, Coming to you live on tape from the lucky 13th floor of a commercial high-rise in beautiful Beverly Hills adjacent California. From the studios of Sirius XM West, boasting an obstructed view of the world-famous Hollywood sign, this is The Tully Show. I am your host, Mike Tully. Joining me today, a fan favorite and, dare I say, a friend. The host of the Last Week on Earth podcast and a stand-up comedian currently in the midst of the Laugh It Off tour. Hello and welcome back, Ben Glebe. Thank you very much, Tulls. Thank you very much for leaving your house. You've been sequestered. I have. I've had probably the flu for the last four days. I don't know if it is the flu. I didn't get checked. You just told me you could have brought me Tamiflu. That would have been nice to know yesterday. You told me you had a head cold, and I took you at your word. Did I say the words head cold? I don't think I said the words head cold. I think you texted the words head cold. No, I didn't text the words head cold because I don't use that phrase. Well, let's just let the text... I mean, I know my own language, but feel free and check (laughs) because uh, I know the terminology that I use as a human. Yeah. And I've never used the term head cold. It's like a Jewish grandmother phrase. You have been home with a bad cold Mm -hmm. or mild flu. Oh, you did use the word flu. Yeah. Well, the... First yep. of all, first yep, of all, yep, I'm yep. keeping. Are you embarrassed? I'm keeping my. I, I'm I, uh, mea culpa. Is mm-hmm. that what I owe sure. you right now? Well, yeah. there, it, there it was. I like that. And uh, uh, I would not have brought you the drugs because I'm enjoying the hell out of them myself. Are you still taking it just for the fun of it? I am saving it just for the fun of it. Wow. Fun is not the word. I'm very, very, very sensitive to drugs. Anything that has side effects, I get the side effect. Well. I get the same side effect from everything. If something can have a speedy side effect, I get a speedy side effect. I tried microdosing mushrooms, taking just one tiny little, and that was very speedy for me. If I smoke weed, it's very speedy for me. If people smoke weed around me, it's very speedy for me. So I don't think you would find Tamiflu to be the psychedelic odyssey that I find. So it to did be. you have the hallucinations? Um, I had weird dreams, not weird not dreams. hallucinations. It would no. I was just so goddamn productive. Like I have a I have a, a letter, like an important letter that I'm planning to write in a few months. I can't really get into it. What's a weird thing to say? <laughs> you just leave there. And it's very. I've never heard of somebody planning a letter for months from now. What are you, George Washington? And at, well, this letter will be my legacy. And I, I plan to write <laughs> about the future of Montecito Farms. I know that's Jefferson. Yeah, I know, but what? Uh, yeah, I don't know where. Cherry Tree Farmville. <laughs> as far as the eye can see. Can tree. And I, all of a sudden, the, the letter started coming together in my head at 1 a.m. And I was, compelled to, I was compelled to get out of bed and write a draft of mm-hmm. it. So it was that kind of thing. It's like, I think whatever, it's probably just Adderall. Like what people get out of Adderall, that shit just gives me like the heebie-jeebies. Speedy just means... Um... It like makes you more hyperactive and fo- and like focused and see what I tend to get speedy means? from the speedy stuff. It some people get um, hyperactive and focused. I tend to get hyperactive and I feel creepy. I feel gross. I feel, my oh. skin feels crawly. But this one was I was like good. good I good feeling. I can tell what needs to be done here. Everybody, leave me alone. I just wrote a joke in the shower. My second shower in four days on account of this sickness that I can't barely move. Appreciate you saving that one for me. 
You're welcome. Do you want to hear the joke? I do. Um, a lot of people say to me, Ben, and I go, yeah. See, I'll tell you a joke that I wrote when I was sick. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love to hear it. I'm going to fuck it up. Uh, Great. Uh, um, uh, fool's gold uh, looks exactly the same as regular gold and costs nothing. So shouldn't gold's name be fool's gold? I like it. I mean, it's very sound logic. <laughs> Think it's about it. Sound logic. Think about it. Yeah. I would, you got to throw some of them back from when you're ill. You know? Yeah, no, I like that one. <laughs> I think I think a slight language tweak and it could be very solid. I think I probably wrote it down a little better than okay, that. Good. I was like, okay, this is obviously a Norm Macdonald joke. Yeah, so. I would just change the end to to say. Mm. So I'm trying to make it end on gold and not fool's gold, and there's no, I can't. It's like a Rubik's cube, and I'm awful at those. You're trying to make it end on gold? I think so. Why? Because I want to go. So shouldn't fool's gold be what we call gold? But now I've already shown my hand. Why don't you just say the same setup as before? You say, yeah. fool's gold looks exactly like gold, but it costs nothing. Right. So isn't real gold fool's, fool's gold? gold? Yeah. Or so, so wouldn't real gold be the fool's gold? <laughs> right. And then i got to figure out how I, like I, that. How I get. I've had but, that thought. Right? Yeah. Well, I was collecting uh, fool's gold with my child, as we do. It's family. Where pa- do you find fool's pastime. gold? Um, uh, the Museum of the West. Oh, it's like one of those fake little little uh, panning for gold, fake little rivers. Real to him, but yeah, I remember that when I was a young boy. Um, I one time interviewed. I don't know why I said am. Uh, I, I one time interviewed Nelly and Murphy Lee of the Saint Lunatics. Yeah, oh yeah, and they were wearing um all these gold chains mm-hmm. and bracelets, and I said, uh, "Is that real, or is it some fake shit?" And they said, of course it's real. I'm like, but how, do, how does anybody know? And he goes, but it's real. I'm like, yeah, but you could get fake stuff, and it's the same. It looks the same, exactly the same, and you don't spend your whole life savings on it. And they were just like, ah-ha. I don't know if they took my financial lesson to heart. Well, it's true. Nice I guys. I always felt that way. I could. It was kind of impossible to hate Nelly. Great guy. Even despite the music he made. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's kind of fun hip-hop. Jimmy Shimmy Cocoa Puff. Hey, you're going to say Cocoa Puff in a rap song? I'm, I'm game for that. Yeah. He was very, very corny, but I think he got a pass from people because he yeah. was just so affable. You know? It's so affable. And that All great right. smile on the band. He put a band aid on my face. He did? Yeah. Do you also have a brother in prison? Because that's what Pro- was his probably, thing. Probably. Probably I do. <laughs> shimmy Shimmy Cocoa Puff. Shimmy Shimmy. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? It's super great that you brought that. Yeah, I always bring it. <laughs> don't even worry. It'll always be with me. I'm the kazoo legend. You know that. The the kazoo, the wizard of the kazoo, as Craig Robinson refers to me. I'm the I'm I'm the top of the kazoo universe. You know what I mean? Top of my game. Yeah, run with that. Listen, I'm the top of the kazoo universe. I'm a. I mean, there's not like a ton of. Uh, heirs to your throne. That's exactly right. Not a lot of people. I guess if you're going to stake on a throne for yourself, may as be one, well be one that absolutely no one over the age of five desires. Yeah, that's the <laughs> secret to the success of my career. Right. Has always been find shortcuts. There's too many people trying to do the beaten path. Yeah. Yeah, Way right. Way too many. Um, probably a lot of hip-hop guys have just bought fake shit. And, I mean, who who, re- who really loses if you believe it's real? Yeah. Gold's not even a precious thing in the first place, right? Uh, 
diamonds more diamond, precious diamonds. than silver. I'm sorry, diamonds are not. Diamonds are not precious? I thought diamonds were, it is absolutely, yeah, diamonds are, I piss diamonds. You it's, piss diamonds? I mean, I need to talk do, to my do, doctor do wanna, actually confirm. I think these are gallstones. <laughs> I think you're pissing gallstones. Is it incredibly painful and doesn't look like diamonds? <laughs> it doesn't look a thing like diamonds. Does that mean it's not diamonds? Is that maybe one of your <laughs> first signs? And it's actually created by my kidneys. Was your son not finding anything I mean, in that river, so now, you just peed some rocks into now, the river? Now that I'm saying it all out loud, sure. I mean, it sounds a little silly, obviously. Like there's a lot. You don't know what diamonds are. <laughs> Maybe I don't. Maybe I don't. Diamonds are a girl's best friend. I did not. I, uh, That's a fact. It's actually true. I, I, You know, I feel badly. I don't know how guys do it. My wife's uh, engagement ring is like nothing. It's this paltry it's little tiny. thing. And but it's a real diamond, though. I mean, there's some specks of something in there. I don't know. Specks. <laughs> specks of something. No, uh, the main thing isn't even a diamond. It's some other thing. And she really convinced me that she like didn't want to do the diamond ring thing. And it occurred to me recently that like certainly she was lying, and I was supposed to know that. Oh, really? Not that she has given huh. me. Not that she has given me one single indication towards that, but just sort of you know being around planet earth and seeing how things work and all that and i don't understand how people do it dude like i don't have a i don't have a lot of money but i know there's people who have less money than me and, and i couldn't have afforded i don't know how they do it either dude weddings are weddings are if i had actually thought it through i wouldn't have had a proper wedding because i just started off massively in the hole and i was supposed to throw like a like a, i don't even know what like a five thousand dollar stone on top of that I, I don't get it i don't uh also i don't think most diamond rings look good I think they look really tacky, and they're like, who wants to wear a ring that has this huge thing coming out the top of it for the rest of your life? It seems very impractical. Everybody, man, because that, that's what made Why? me kind of—that's what made me kind of realize that—is because there's the girls that you know want the stupid, like disproportionately large, um, uh, you can't miss it kind of ring. But then there's all the girls I've noticed, especially being around like comedy and stuff, where I'd assume like women wouldn't be that kind of chick they've made a career for themselves and some of them get engaged and all of a sudden there's I know shaboom which then that's kind of the thing that you can do comedy with that that's kind of the thing that made me realize oh god if she actually in her heart of hearts wanted the shaboom boom then probably you know probably my wife did too so if 5k was too out of the range how much do you spend about a thousand I don't think, dude. I spent like it was in the hundred range. No, one yeah. hundred. I spent nearly one hundred dollars. Shut the hell up. <laughs> I don't know what it was like four or five hundred. Four or five hundred. Yeah. There's no diamonds in there. There's these tiny little. You can get the tiny little. Oh yeah. I mean, my my wedding ring, for whatever it's worth, not that this is going to make me sound any better at all, it cost twenty dollars. Really? Yeah. I didn't know. I didn't know any better. I went and picked it out. And your wife is okay with the ring. She wears it proudly. Or well, you, you found out that she's she upset. Wears, she wears it. No, she's never indicated whatsoever that she actually has. So why do you think that she's upset? <coughs> because I, I I don't think she's upset about it. I think that she convinced me. Okay, like she convinced me that it was okay for me to go play softball on her 30th birthday. And I was on my way out the house and I noticed that her eyes were moist. And I was like, wait a second. What is wrong, girls? Wait a second. She doesn't, I swear, you're going to have to take my word for it. She doesn't usually do that. That was the just, one time I could think. Just say what you want. I know, I know, I know, I know. And what so, is the problem? And so the boys You probably really, said five times, are you sure it's okay? Yeah, I know. Are you sure? I don't need to play softball. I can play any other week. 
Right. Totally, baby. You want to play softball? Go play softball. And so I start to wonder if this isn't. You're the... going to play softball. Mm-hmm. Well, the other thing is that she didn't Come want. On. She didn't want to yeah. get married necessarily. Like she wasn't like a wedding kind of person. The the dynamic that usually exists there is kind of flip flopped. I think getting married was more important to me than it was to her. Why didn't she get you a ring? She did. It cost twenty dollars. <laughs> <laughs> you know, are you afraid that your fingers are going to get torn off? Should I be? Because I wear rings sometimes too, and now I'm afraid a little bit. Oh, something's going to catch it, and yeah, like what happened to Jimmy Fallon. I just Wait, saw a whole thing in... on Shark Tank. Oh, you know, right, Jimmy for... Fallon's finger was all messed up because he got it yeah. caught in the corner of a countertop. Well, that's his fault for being an alcoholic. Supposedly he's not. I mean, he, he defends himself pretty strongly, but apparently a lot of people's fingers get torn off with rings. And this guy on Shark Tank was like, "I'm making a ring that breaks away if you ever get caught on something." I mean, is that really? I'm, I'm not too worried about it. How are things going to get caught under there? It seems pretty unlikely. No, I've thought about it. I've definitely thought about it. You could get snagged in there, and I guess from time to time something small does. Uh, you know, I got this. There's so many problems nowadays, Ben Glee, but I've got this rule of thumb that if I don't know a guy who knows a guy who had a problem, it's not actually really a problem. That's how I stopped worrying about AIDS a long time ago. You don't know anybody that has AIDS? I don't know anybody who knows anybody. I did go to grammar school with a kid who was a hemophiliac who mm-hmm. passed away at a certain point, and I have my suspicions. You that- don't know Ma- Magic Johnson? Not personally. Do you I've know? I played basketball with him. Okay, well now I know somebody who knows somebody who has AIDS, now and now and, well. now and now I'm freaking. Actually, out. his AIDS is <laughs> his AIDS is gone. Actually, apparently it's like yeah. undetectable. Undetectable. Now. So but I take it would it, come back. Take it all back. It would come back. Like he did. They just keep killing it and killing it and killing it to where it's undetectable. But if they stopped murdering is that true? his AIDS, I'm pretty sure, then it would just start coming back. They really? can keep it at levels where it is undetectable. Hmm. You know what I'm saying. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't realize that was the situation. I'm pretty sure. Interesting. I haven't talked to Magic in a while. An interesting thing about um, rings also, I just find it so weird, some of these traditions. It's like, listen, I'm so 100% for every advancement of women that, that they want to have. But it's big of you. I don't, thank you. <laughs> but I don't think that, but I think if you're going to do that, to there has to... You have to also maybe give some stuff up at some point, don't you think? You can't have your cake and eat it, You cannot too. have it both ways. Because, like, for example, my ex-girlfriend, um, she, she, you just muted my microphone so you could cough. <laughs> I need to be exactly aware of that. Let me show you how the pros do it, Ben. You're a real pro. Also, you sound way worse than me, and I'm in the middle of my cold, and you're yep. way done. Yep. Uh, head cold. See, I said it. <laughs> um, and my girlfriend was, we were talking, my ex-girlfriend, we were talking at some point about marriage and I was like would you take my name that would be kind of important to me and she goes no 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 I don't I would not I don't it's not traditional like that I feel like it's not it's kind of like you trying to like own me you know what I mean I guess I don't, I'm not into it and so I'm like okay I get it I respect it so I guess you don't want a ring then huh and she's like whoa I didn't say that didn't say that I'm like so if she, oh so if she, if so she... you want this the, the, this, this, the same exact thing only one cost me thousands of dollars that's a pretty decent point. I was going to argue on her behalf, but yeah, you putting the ring on her pretty much does. I'm putting say a that, ring on her, say that you own her. Is... It's much more branding. It's like every day on your finger branding than like whoever sees your last name. It's pretty rare. It's weird to me. My wife kind of, sort of. Uh, my wife's Japanese. Has a very Japanese That's name. Nice of her. I appreciate it. <laughs> um, yeah. But I wasn't. It's like it's such an awkward thing. If her name had been, you know, Sarah Brown. Then maybe I would have been like, "Come on, what are we doing here? Just take the, take the name. Nobody cares. I don't own you. You don't own me. It's just it's what we do, you know." But I just felt very, very strange. Even to this day, when she has to like write her name down, uh, like for because she did legally hyphenate, you know. Oh, she did. Yeah, 
Why? But she doesn't, because like you want to go pick your kid up at school, it's just a lot easier if you have the same last name as them, hmm. you know? But even when she writes it out, even like her handwriting isn't, like I've been working on my signature for my entire life. If all of a sudden right. I started throwing a new name in there, like, I don't know about you, your uh, your cursive I find kind of stops evolving when you last used it, which in my case is, I don't know, fourth grade. Right. So if I write something in cursive, it looks like a child is writing. Right. I feel like if, that, if you're writing long letters, you plan to write four months in advance, maybe this is a good argument. <laughs> I think if you- I'm a planner. I think if clearly, I think if you are learning just one new word in cursive, you could do it in about I'm not saying a I day or two. No, no, no. I would learn it. You'd I would get mess- it in a day. I could do it right now. Give me a pen. I'll yeah, write it. But I'm saying I would. It would. It would look. It would look childish. It would look stupid. It's. It is weird. It made me realize because the difference between my name and hers are so radical. It made me see how strange it actually is. If we both had like Anglo-Saxon last names, swapping one for another wouldn't make the the contrast seem as as uh, vivid to me. You know what I noticed too? Mm-hmm. I just almost never write anymore. Yeah. And so, and if I ever do, it's like kind of just like scribbly print. When I've, I've tried to write a letter or two in the last year in cursive that I have not hardly used in years, mm-hmm. I don't even remember how to do it. Yeah, cues, I'm just winging it at this point. Yeah, cues are tough. Yeah. I feel like uh, there's other letters the that are difficult. The Z, I'm sorry, I meant Z. No, I'm pretty good at Z. Z's just... Just like a Z, I'm good. A Q, pump. I'm actually good as well. What letter am I? What I'm not good at is like connecting. I forget how certain letters connect. Right. Where does one end and the next one begin? Yeah. It's like I am. Yeah. There's. I just have some issues. Yeah. No, we don't do it anymore. And so I, br- I miss it. It, meh. I guess so. I guess so. It atrophies. I do notice that my handwriting is becoming, is becoming worse. Yeah. It's and a lot like one's penis. It atrophies if you don't use it. I'm told. No, I know think, you've been told. Do you think you'll get to that? Point where you actually st- like your penis becomes just a peeing appendage. Um, no. I mean, may the Lord please grace be with me. Well, I pray but no. it wouldn't so much. But the scenario that I guess why I'm did imagining, I bring up penis stuff? I didn't mean to do that. I just assumed that you're, to go just, you're just a cheap comic that uh, went on. <laughs> kills it in mainstream rooms. If there's uh, just a down second, you just bring up your cock. Mm. Yeah, I didn't mean to do that. But and I take I it back. We can shift away from it if you come and see no. the Laugh It Off tour in Irvine on February 15th or Indio on the 9th and 10th. Mm-hmm. Uh, you do I meet and greets after every single show that's, not, that's not in Los Angeles. That's exactly right. I won't do very many penis jokes. I can assure you that. But would you? I'm going to talk about your penis now. Thank uh, you. But, uh, it, to me, the scenario wouldn't be that you want to use your dick and it doesn't work. The scenario would be that your dick maybe works well who cares maybe it doesn't you just your sex drive has atrophied and atrophied to where it just doesn't even really occur to you maybe you jerk off like twice a year because all right oh, i don't i hope i don't think that's true without I mean, but would, that, I, would you be afraid of that scenario yeah because do you feel like that would be you'd be less of a man it would, no it'd be sad i don't care about the manliness mm-hmm. i get such a joy out of the pleasure of of sex there's so many things that I think women, one of the reasons why they are a little bit more grounded is there's just certain things about their biological experience that just keep it real for them in a way that it doesn't for men. I'm re- related to somebody who just made an offhand comment that indicated that uh, she is uh, going through menopause and she's not like an old lady. And I was like, wow, you know, if there was a male men- – because you're saying – I don't know. That would be. I, I feel like for my penis to stop functioning the way that I've grown accustomed to it functioning is to me sort of accepting that the end is coming. Women, I think, have to make their peace with the end coming in like late 
but early middle age. Well, correct me if I'm wrong. Menopause doesn't mean you lose your sex drive. It just means that you. No. Okay. Thank you for allowing me to clarify. I just mean you don't that... have periods anymore. It's a great news. But just at one point, you there's this amazing New Yorker um, cover from a year or two ago, where there's a mother showing the daughter how to like put on lipstick in the mirror and you're watching the two of them and the daughter has this look on her face of like oh my god I'm becoming a woman I've been a little girl and I can see it coming out of me this is amazing you can see the vivaciousness you know and the mom is putting on the makeup and being like oh my god she's bursting into womanhood and I'm becoming this old lady this was all in a cartoon this is a cover of the New Yorker it's a cover it's really powerful yeah um and that's what I'm saying. Not that, not I don't mean like exactly in apples to apple, apples. I know women can can and do have sex post menopause, but just yeah. when you grow into manhood, you d- never have to grow out of manhood, so to speak. When a woman gets her period, she knows like I've become a woman. Maybe not psychologically, but biologically, that's what I am now. When she goes through menopause, it's like okay, my actual function here on the planet has ceased to exist. You think a woman's only function on the planet? No, your biological. The whole reason <laughs> is, you were born is to perpetuate. No, and I would say the same thing about men. I would say the same thing about men. The only reason why we're here is to replace ourselves. I think when people say it's the only reason. <laughs> biologically. I think that's understating. No, I'm good for all kinds of things, but... Why biologically? Why is it not part of our biological purpose to plant trees and to spread You're right. Women, and to grow Women can things. plant trees at any Yeah, age. I wish they would plant more trees. I'll say that Make them, them feel vital. <laughs> um, I also don't understand The New Yorker. I subscribe to it. Uh-huh. I rarely read it. Oh, really? I'm very confused by the magazine. It's great. Because what don't you get? often the cover has nothing to do with the magazine. That took me a little while. I'm not going to lie. I don't understand it at all. I know. You would think that it would be there sort of a There was Trump in a hole. Like but just his hair. I know. And there's not a Trump article in the magazine. They've had Trump. They are giving him exactly what he wants. Just right. don't fucking feed the baby. They All they do, every other... They did an entire issue where every single cartoon was Trump. It's ridiculous. Right. But also, I just don't get it. Is it, is it a news magazine? Some weeks they have, or it's, some months they have a lot of news. Some months they have none. Right. And it's all random stories. It's pretty random, but you could say that about Vanity Fair. It's yeah, just, I don't like yeah, that magazine is, either. Yeah, I don't really like Vanity Fair either. I don't like not knowing what I'm getting. You kind of... It's, like it's like a mystery box of a magazine. It is. I guess some people sort of, like myself, sort of embrace that. But it's like... Am it's I gonna, just good. It's, it's, so it's, it's There's a common sensibility to it. Is there? It's, it's United, I think so, yeah. Is this, the writing's really good or something? I but mean, like, how long have you been subscribing? Have you opened one? Yes, just the writing this year, is terrific. I barely look at it. I haven't read it, so I shouldn't come in. But like, it's really good. Most of the time, I'm interested in almost none of the stories. I'm canceling the subscription because yeah, it's like. But just start reading them because that's the thing. That's the problem, dude. Mm-hmm. Is nobody can. Everybody has the stack starts growing. And, the st- yeah. and, then, and then you go, oh, this is interesting because some of us actually who subscribe to it do find at least some of the stories yeah. interesting on their face. And you go through. That's great. I'll read that. But then you get to the one you go, oh, thank God, I can skip this one and finally get through an issue for once. But then you start to read it and you're like. Oh my God! I didn't even think I would find this interesting, and this is so goddamn. You can interesting. find anything interesting. You no, find but reality it, yeah, but some like, things are more interesting than other things. That everything right. in the New Yorker is super interesting. Don't you think though? Like usually, the table of contents, it's like a Manhattan socialite throws a soiree in a thing. Here's a great tips for hosting a, a soiree in a thing. It's like it's like very oh, hoity-toity a lot that's, of the time. That's New York mag. Are you subscribing to New York magazine? Because that's a nope. piece of shit. The New Yorker. <laughs> okay. Yeah. There's not a lot of. Tips for, you know, fashionable uh, uh, amuse-bouches. Not tips. I'm saying it's just like these great reflective articles about yeah. like, just like. Apps? 
Yeah, just like no, just like being like a like a socialite on the Upper East Side. There's a bit of that. It's aspirational. See, I yeah, I used to, I went to high I school. I went to high school in the Upper East Side. Of course, that's why you like the New Yorker. I was a doorman on the Upper East Side, so I'm. Did you wear a hat? I don't think that was so. Great silence there. I don't I really have to think about, about it for it. a second. You wore a great jacket. I had a, I had a little monkey suit. Only one guy had to wear a hat, and he was a guy. He shaved his head, and that wasn't a cool thing to do. Then he was a crazy person, and when he shaved his head, it, they made him wear a hat. No, but it was it was like that. It was like, did you ever see? Uh, very random, but one of my favorite movies, Six Degrees of Separation. Yeah, I think so. The Will mo- Smith was in it, right? I think. Yeah. I think so. It's the best he ever was or ever will be. The 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 building that they live in plays a gay man in it. Yes, the building that he lives in in that is the movie. The, I that's did the not actual, see it. That's the actual building that, that I you worked was at. Dormant. Really? So I wanted to talk to you about this. Now documentary. We've got five minutes left. <laughs> yeah, now that we have absolutely no, I really want to hear what you think about. A lot of people told me that I needed to watch Jim and Andy, The Great Beyond, the Jim, mm-hmm. the documentary that's airing on Netflix about Jim Carrey starring as Andy Kaufman in uh, uh, Man on the Moon. That was the name of that movie, right? Yep. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. Um, I'm really anxious to talk to somebody about it, and I very quickly, my wife got tired of talking to me about it, so I just scribbled down some notes, and I was like, who can I talk to about it? And then I remember that you are um, a big Andy Kaufman fan. Huge. So let me start here. I'm assuming you saw the movie when it first came out. No. But I saw it uh, about a month and a half ago. Okay. Oh, Man on the Moon. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. Did you? Do you like it? Did you like it? I did love it. As an Andy Kaufman fan, loved it. You felt like he nailed it. I did feel like he nailed it. Yes. Were you already uh, a fan of Andy Kaufman's when you saw it, or was that kind of? What oh you yeah, to? yeah. No, huge before that. Okay, because that's a big thing. Like for example, people shit all over the Doors movie, and if I go back and look at it, um, I can easily see why. But like that got me into the doors. There's two very different things. If you're like showing up or you know already worshiping Jim Morrison, saying let's see what this cocksucker can do, right? You might have a different take than somebody who you could you could very well be a, a very good entry level something without being the master level of that, if you know what I mean. But okay, so you liked it, mm-hmm. and then did you like the documentary Jim and Andy? I want to know what you think first because I have conflicted feelings. I have really, really conflicted feelings about it. Ultimately, okay, do I like the documentary? Yes, I would say I enjoyed watching the documentary. Agreed. Be- but because I did not like Jim Carrey in it, and I was, it was interesting and entertaining to me for me to see him like himself expose himself in a way that I thought maybe he thought was flattering to him, but was actually, to my opinion, pretty pretty unflattering. I agree 100%. I'm so happy to hear you say that. Okay, because people were telling me that it was going to show me what a genius Jim Carrey is. Yeah. And by the way, I people don't- told me the same thing. I don't dispute- Okay, because everybody always thinks that I'm a dick about this stuff, and I am a contrarian, but there is a difference. Like, mm-hmm. let me be very clear about this. Jim Carrey is, correct me if you can think of anybody uh, I'm missing, the single greatest casting fuck-up in the history of Lorne Michaels' career. He didn't cast him? He wasn't on Saturday Night Live. He tried right. out and wasn't on it. Oh, yeah, for sure. Right? He's And not only did he have that amazing run of movies, which I think hold up really well— he continues to be able to, like, uh, I love you, Philip Morris, is in the last 10 years, and I thought it was really, really mm-hmm. good. And I, I mean, to be honest, I loved him in Ace is the Place. I loved him yeah. in Unmasked. I loved him in, in the Liars movie. Mm-hmm. I loved him in uh, uh, Infinite Sunshine and on Freedom Place. All those movies, <laughs> I felt like he was great. I think Aaron Spelling produced that. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, he's great. 
He's yeah. a great actor. Yeah. Very talented. Force of nature. The worst thing I can say about his acting is the exact same bad thing that I would say about Robin Williams' acting, which is he's obviously had great moments as a dramatic actor, but when he is bad as a dramatic actor, he's bad in the exact way that Robin Williams and a lot of uh, comedians are when they do the bad acting thing. So oh, no. Much, oh, so no. much of their skill set is this intense mugging. And even when they dial it back, they make these faces in dramatic movies like, this is a dramatic moment. I'm appreciating this on multiple levels. <laughs> God, have I got emotions. Yeah. You know? But if that's the worst thing you can say about the guy, look, he, he that this is the trajectory in comedy, right? As you say you come from stand-up, really big stand-up, really big TV show, fucking humongous movie, get paid, do it again. And then do the dramatic thing, which is also well received. Mm-hmm. So nobody bats a thousand. He has that is like the triple crown of or whatever of. And he's of, a good dramatic okay. actor. I mean, I thought Eternal Sunshine of Spotless Mind was brilliant. It was really good. Uh huh. I loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember seeing Cable Guy. I think he was he fine and then he was good in it. That's underrated. Yeah, but um, and I remember it changed a little bit the way I saw Jim Carrey as an actor when um, when uh, I saw the outtakes at the end of Liar Liar. <laughs> And there was that one outtake where Swoozy Kurtz, Swoozy Kurtz says, "Overactor," and he goes, "You've figured out my secret." And I was like, "Oh, weird! It's weird to hear him admit that, but like, that actually is a secret. He like overacts like crazy, right?" Yeah. And so I thought it was a kind of cool. He kept that outtake in the movie, but um, so I admire him in many ways. I love the transition from stand up to all those things. He also had a trajectory that influenced me a lot in two ways. Um, he started as an impressionist, as did I. And his impressions, the little clips that they have in the documentary mm-hmm. when he does turns around and does his James Dean face. You remember oh, it's all amazing. It's amazing, yeah. So good. And uh, I remember I was totally an impressionist. started out as a complete impression act. And I had like over 100 impressions. And I was watching one day the Jim Carrey E. True Hollywood story. And... Um, and the announcer says, Jim was selling out to standing ovation to the comedy store in Hollywood. But he saw his career heading only one place. And it slow pans to the Vegas Strip. Sure. And it says Rich Little on the marquee. And he's like, so he abandoned the act and bombed for the next two years with an avant-garde routine. I thought that was so amazing. And I, at that point, dropped my impressions. Oh, cool. And decided to do a much more unique and intelligent act because I realized I just did not want to, people to always be begging for impressions. Once you do them and they know that you really do them, it's all they let you do. Yeah, I know a guy or two who are out, out there that they have, they've had, they have no choice but to have the same impression closer. And they've actually yeah. developed very good acts, Yeah, but they still need to do this weird thing that belongs to the distant past right. to get off stage. And, right. And, and you, I don't imagine, they don't look very ideal. happy doing it. No, right? that's not ideal. And so um, I admire that a lot. And I met him actually when I was in college cool. at a bar, and I went up to him and I was like, I'm an aspiring actor and comedian. Do you have any advice for me? And he goes, expect to give it 20, expect it to take 20 years. Best of luck to you as he walks away. And it's amazing. I thought it was such bullshit, and it's really taken 20 years to get to, like, a great place. Or Shit. not even a great place, but to a good place. Right. Um, so he's, he's good. He's got insights. But I thought the documentary was so egotistical. Yes. And he thinks he's the greatest thing in the world. And yes. he obviously made the documentary. It was his tapes. He decided to make this documentary. Mm-hmm. And the whole thing is just him saying how great he is. 
the whole movie. Well, no, 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 Ben. Uh, he doesn't take any uh, credit for anything. That was all Andy. Right. Right. Who chose to live inside him for a couple right. of Right. That was the most insane thing. <laughs> he keeps saying, I was just embodied by Andy Kaufman. I was taken over. It wasn't me. It was yeah. Andy Kaufman. And they show clips of his family and his co-stars from Taxi. And like maybe there's one clip where like his sister's like, yeah, it's weird. He's kind of like Andy. And then, <laughs> and then every other clip is like Dane DeVito being like, this is just weird. Yeah. Everybody else is like, I don't know what's happening here. Yeah. And so he's the only one that like really is assuming he's Andy Kaufman. And everybody's like... I think Bob Zamuda was on board. Well, okay. That's a whole nother thing. Yeah, we'll talk about Bob. Yeah, because Bob is an interesting guy. I like Bob a lot. Tony Clifton's a, a personal friend of mine. Okay. I love Tony. Mm-hmm. And Bob I know a little bit. Okay. But I love Tony. And Tony, the real Tony Clifton, I think would not approve of this documentary even though he's proving it publicly because it's the best exposure Tony Clifton's gotten in a long time Mm -hmm. so you're not going to throw Jim under the bus right exactly and and that was the thing that I found sort of interesting is the I think Jim Carrey assumes and this is such like a whiny bitch thing for me to say but that well Andy's ex-girlfriend is hanging out with me and Bob Zamuda is hanging out with me so obviously I'm nailing this but it's like Dude, you're the biggest fucking movie star in the world. And right, you're playing, exactly. You're playing there, dude. Do you think they're really going to tell you, hey, man, I don't want to touch this movie. I want to go back to not hanging out on right. Hollywood studio lots. Right. Like, ridiculous. And so just to keep saying that I was embodied by it also in Comedians and Cars Getting Coffee, I just watched it with Seinfeld. He said the same thing. He's like, that was just an out-of-body, many-months experience for me. And I just, like, I was just... And, and it's like, you can't keep saying that you channeled... Andy Kaufman and Tony Clifton because honestly like it's they're not the most difficult characters to do every actor in Hollywood auditioned for that role I can do for you right now both characters you want Andy Kaufman thank you very much thank you very much I want to do this um radio show okay hey hey buddy tell you never some you don't have a fucking channel okay fucking ugly okay <laughs> yeah you understand Mm-hmm. I can just go around and insult everybody with the prosthetics on and be a complete dick to everybody and say, hey, are you gay? You should be gay, okay? Go ahead and be gay to people <laughs> right now, okay? Look, I'm embodying a character. It's unbelievable. It's weird. I just saw something. It was like Ben just left the room. Thank you very much. This is eerie, actually. Thank you very much. <laughs> and you never even saw Jim Carrey bounce between the two that quick, did you? No, that's true. I'm He's a saying, genius. Yeah, you probably are. I am a genius, Tully. And I mean, let me just tell you, that wasn't, I'm not saying I, Ben Glebe, am a genius. I'm no. saying I, Andy Kaufman, mm-hmm. I, Latka Gravas, right. I, Tony Clifton, am a genius. When those characters come into me, it's, it's them being geniuses. I'm simply a vessel. You can't help it if you're a conduit. I cannot help that, in, no. In, ma- in many ways, it's a curse. Hey, I'll tell you what, I got a <laughs> conduit for you right here, okay? <laughs> I got a conduit and a bonduit and a shunduit. I'm going to shove it down your throat, Okay. There were two things that I really enjoyed about the movie, and neither of them had almost anything to do with the movie. They, uh, I think I've finally grown nostalgic for the 90s. Like, enough time has passed that it now actually feels like a different, a really different era. Like, I don't feel like we're living in, like, the 2000s kind of just felt like the 90s kept going. But now, mm-hmm. like, the 2000 teens are, are almost, it's like a... Well, the world's ending, yeah. Well, there's that, too. But, like, in frankly, a good way. just being a fly on the wall with real access to the making of like a somewhat noteworthy motion picture 
was like a great thrill. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, I would. And I think it's yeah. great he released the footage. Uh-huh. And I, I loved, I loved most of the documentary. Mm-hmm. I just thought some of his comments were yeah. just unreal. And then he's the only one that's really saying he embodied the person so much. Well, I, I do want to talk to you about that. Go ahead. And then I just thought of the the end of the doc. He drops a statement or two that was just beyond the pale. Right. At the end of the doc, he goes something to the effect of he goes like, "I'm just." I've transcended beyond needing to be attached to who I am, to name, to possessions, to work. I don't have to. I don't want to work anymore. I don't have to work. I just want to be. And I'm like, yeah, because you're filthy rich. Only a filthy rich person could ever say that or execute that. So right. it's complete. Of course, you can just be and not be attached to material things or. When you're fu- have billions of dollars, mm-hmm. so that's just an insane statement. And then he's like, "I could play Jesus next." Yeah, he did casually toss that out there. The very end. Kidding, not kidding. Yeah, maybe I'll play Jesus. Right. Yeah, he he struck me as I felt like I knew people like him. Maybe in uh, I went to a really precocious kind of high school. I think most people would say college, where somebody who just read a book about like Eastern mysticism and now like they are pretty much just that book talking. That's Jim Carrey seems like he's arrived at the college sophomore phase of his personal development. Yeah. And anybody who thinks that he is actually, because he did that that red carpet thing that went viral a while ago too. Mm -hmm. Where he's circling around Cat Sadler. Am I here? Am I not here? I mean, none of us are here, so why do we even care if we're talking? Because we're not here. And it's like, oh boy, dude, you're uh Yeah, and I do like part of it, because he did go to a really vapid event and called them out for it. It's fashion week. Mm -hmm. But then she made a great point back. You're dressed really nice. Mm -hmm. Why? Yeah. Why are you dressed so nice then? Mm -hmm. Um, But I do agree with parts of it. That's the thing. It's like, I like that he's like one of the few big celebrities I've ever seen that's really challenging the system in that way and challenging conventional thought. So I think the majority of me really respects it. Yeah. But I think there's just something about it that's coming off not so genuine or at least not so nice or not as humble as you should be for being this great transcendent Buddhist guy. Because like even in Comedian Cars Getting Coffee, right? He calls himself Jim and refers to himself as Jim many times. And then they're at a coffee shop and the waitress comes by. She's like, I'm Beth. And he's like, but are you? She's like, yeah, I'm Beth. And she's like, he's like, I don't know. I don't know if you are Beth. Oh, but you get to be Jim because you're Jim Carrey. It's like it's just a little bit of an egotistic. Yeah. Well, I like I like that he is uh, he's exposing himself. This is all we ever really yeah. want from celebrities is that they actually like drop the well, veil. Not in the Louis C.K. way. No, no, great. I'm not. Yeah, if I were to make a a list of men that I want to watch masturbate, he'd be way down at the bottom of it. But towards the top of the orange people list. (laughs) I always found it very funny that um, that his TV show was uh, and I felt like nobody really noted this because it was such a terrific TV show, at least for the first year or so. It was uh, Louis. Louis was the story of a unattractive, overweight man who simply could not stop getting laid. Right. Somehow, like, you remember there's that episode, it's maybe in the last season, where the, um, some mom of, his, like, his kid's friend's mom is, like, widowed or divorced, and she's overwhelmed, and so he just sort of finds himself cleaning up her house and helping her get her shit together, and there's mm-hmm. a montage, and part of the montage is him just fucking the shit out of her. <laughs> and I'm like, well, that's, like, a funny thing to throw in, but you, like, really? Like, I'm a parent. If for some odd reason, like... 
I die and Louis C.K. ends up like hanging a couple of pictures for my wife, like she's not fucking him. It's a it's a Woody Allen syndrome. It's like he's yeah, this old old man banging every hot actress stop. in Hollywood in the right. movies, and they all are clamoring to work with him. It's pretty amazing. Well, not anymore, I don't think. Not, not in this new climate. So another thing that I really enjoyed about this documentary, which again is not what I think he was going for, is there are so many legendary stories of bad behavior on Hollywood sets, and it is so easy when you don't see them to romanticize them. And it is so easy to go, oh, this guy was so badass. He did this and he did that, and they hated him for it, but isn't it kind of cool? And when you actually see what it looks like it's not it's not cool at all it's just completely self-absorbed just annoying and look Uh. if you think the movie is good then who am I to say maybe that he was probably the best person who could have played that role that certainly Mm -hmm. the most bankable sure combination of like can play the role and we can sell this movie with him in the role I don't think there's any you know question that he was the guy Kevin Spacey auditioned did he Mm -hmm. a lot of huge actors did and if that was the way he had to do it to be as good as he possibly could, well, then I guess I'm sure there are people who do weirder. You know, if Heath Ledger, See, that if Heath Ledger needed to, but I, none of us can say because none of us are inside of him. I don't think he needed to. No, but then I disagree a little bit just because maybe he didn't need to. But I like it. I mm-hmm. think the the beauty of the arts and the beauty of acting and the beauty of film is like you get to be a method actor and you get to be fucking bananas for a period of time, and the world lets you do it. Uh, I think it's fun. I think that a crew should be happy to, or oh, f- happy to put up with a little, as long as he's not being like a real asshole where he's like pushing people or like directly insulting in hurtful ways people or like, but if he's just being like cantankerous on set and like kind of a whirlwind walking through and being kind of a dick but in character and you get to see this like performance behind the scenes like you said that nobody else gets to see typically I think that's cool because most sets are pretty repetitive and similar so I think it's kind of cool like I sometimes do stuff like that like even for little things I've done I used to play this homeless character in my old Lampoon TV show The Gleep Show Homeless Willie and in, in hidden camera bits and we would just go out and shoot for six hours and I just would tell the crew not to talk to me or they would be like very far away with long lens cameras and I would just be this crazy homeless man for six hours completely in character like I like to stay in character all day when I do weird characters. So I think it's fun to do it. I think just as also it is harder to go back into the character as well because you can really start thinking the thoughts of the character if you're just living as this different person a lot easier. Yeah, I will say probably about the worst thing that he did was uh, play a boombox louder than Judd Hirsch would have liked. Right. So I agree. The Tony Clifton stuff. How much Tony Clifton stuff is there in the finished Man in the Moon movie? I hope there's a whole goddamn lot of it because it seemed like he was You didn't see Man in the Moon? No. What? I don't see anything. Oh, you got to see Man on the Moon. I don't really want to. No, it's really good. I would rather watch. Oh, it's really good. I would rather watch the real Andy Kaufman. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to devote 90 minutes But of my this life. is the whole story of his life, and it's really beautifully done. Yeah. And they recreate totally stuff with get, the whole cast. I don't totally get Andy Kaufman, if I'm being totally honest. Fair enough. I don't know if anybody totally gets him, but he's. here's the thing. He's. I mean, he's complete comedic genius but he's just one of the few performers ever and in this way I get the parallel of what Jim Carrey's doing both of them just don't care what people think of them and also don't care if the joke lands oh, you don't think Jim, Jim Carrey, Carrey cares a lot more Jim Carrey cares a ton he usually tries to make the joke land but Andy Kaufman did not care at all mm-hmm. he would just do these weird avant-garde things yeah and he died and people didn't realize what was going on yeah and like 
I have just huge respect for that. But and it inspired a lot of stuff that I've done. But I realized, like, so for example, I, I used to do this thing for for ten straight years at the Hollywood Improv every Christmas. I would do this eggnog show. There's some of them on YouTube still. It was my ode to Andy Kaufman every year. I would get plaster drunk on stage. I would run the light by about forty five minutes, and I would in the middle of the show and the I light that they tell you that they to get off stage. to get off stage. And I would bring all these insane props and get very angry and drunk and throw things at the audience and bring people up and spill things and. It was insane and being appropriate with people. It was my complete ode to Tony Clifton and to Andy Kaufman's essence. And I did it for 10 years and I retired it after 10 years because I realized the only problem with Andy Kaufman, my hat's off to him for doing it, but you sometimes will end up dying and nobody will ever get it fully. So if that's the way you want to go down in history, it's amazing. But I want to get more jobs and to end up hosting a late night talk show one day. And I don't want to be obscurely seen as a genius from niche comedy fans that love the weirdness. I'd like a little bit of that on the side. And I think I have a little bit of that. Mm -hmm. But I want to have a big career. And so I think it's so amazing that Andy Kaufman just didn't care about that. While he was on taxi, he was still working as a waiter at Jerry's Deli in the Valley. Like, he just was such a complete oddball. It's so great. That's what I love about it so much. And, well, I, feel, and I feel like I, I don't know anybody today that's like that committed. No, 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 no. I agree. And I'll clarify a little bit. I, I, I uh, appreciate what his life was about and his approach to stuff entirely. And I get the whole, like, I'm going to go on The Tonight Show and fuck it, you know? Mm-hmm. That, I'm just saying, I don't know if. Uh, it, I enjoy his comedy oh, as enough. as much as I feel like I'm supposed to. No, I mean he didn't make me laugh out loud mm-hmm. that much either. I mean, on Taxi he did, but like yeah. some of those bits, you know, with the, the Mighty Mouse or whatever. Mighty Mouse is on his way. Yeah. Like we just lip syncing to a record player. Like I don't really it didn't make me laugh. Yeah, I thought it was just weird and funny and fun. The wrestling, but bit I wasn't is hilarious. That I get. Yeah, but some of that I don't. Like, he literally just became a wrestler and would wrestle women and would be, like, a real dick to everybody. And, like, <laughs> he, like, t- he, like, became a professional wrestler. And amateur, like, it's so, so weird and fun and funny, but, like, it's not comedy as much as it's just a performance art. It was funny that he declared himself the intergender champion. Yeah, uh, that is, yeah. That's just funny. For sure. Um, we got to wrap up. I wanted to ask you, because to me this is, like, the where you come down on this is ultimately where you come down on the whole Jim and Andy documentary they mention, and I don't know if there's footage, and if there is, it's for the best that they didn't include it, that Andy Kaufman had this daughter that he'd never met, mm-hmm. and that she comes. So we're led to believe that Andy Kaufman's siblings accept Jim Carrey in character as their brother, and that Andy Kaufman's dad accepts him uh, wholeheartedly, mm-hmm. without reservation, but that Andy Kaufman had this daughter he never met, and she comes and spends an hour with Jim Carrey. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you talk about a messiah complex mm-hmm. for a comedian. I don't know what better example there could ever possibly be. And that she gets some closure from her this relationship she never had with her dad because she hangs out with Jim Carrey in character. Right. What do you suspect she like really happened there, if she were being honest? I don't know. That one, I, I thought maybe there was something to it, only because it is the closest she can get mm-hmm. to meeting her dad. Yeah. You know, he did embody it pretty well. 
So I think it's probably so I think she probably just thought like that was a cool experience. I felt a little little emotional. I don't think she thought she was with her father though. Right. At all. Well, but he would probably say oh, that he would she say. was because Oh yeah. Right. That's the crazy part. <laughs> um I don't know if we have time, but I want to tell you two quick Andy Kaufman things. Sure. I had two amazing Andy Kaufman things happen in my life. All right. One, I went on the I can't remember what a year anniversary, but I think the twentieth anniversary, I think it was, of his death. Um, went to this big event honoring him at the comedy store. And um, we were, or no, sorry, big event at the uh, House of Blues. Mm-hmm. Huge event honoring him. Jim Carrey was there, actually. They showed this whole documentary at it. Also, behind the scenes, this is like 10 years ago, 12 years ago, um, from behind the scenes of Man on the Moon. And everybody was very upset. It was 20 minutes. People are screaming, this is Jim. It's not Andy. What the hell is this? So it was already like a precursor of that. 12 years ago, but then this whole event, all these great comedians come out and gave tribute to Andy Kaufman. It was amazing. The event ends, and they come out after it ends. They literally waited like 15 minutes. A lot of people cleared out, and they said, for those of you that are diehard fans, they're still here, just like Andy did at Radio City Music Hall and had the buses outside where you go over to take it to everybody for milk and cookies. We're all going across the street to the comedy store for milk and cookies. Cool. And everybody goes across the street to the comedy store for milk and cookies, and there's a wrestling ring in the main room. They cleared the whole thing out, and there was Lucha Vavoom wrestling. And Tony Clifton comes out and MCs the whole thing, and it was amazing and so exciting and a surprise. And it ends, and everybody's exciting. Everybody clears out, and there's only maybe like 60 people left, 50, 60 people. And he and uh, Tony Clifton comes out again with uh, Dennis Hoff, the owner of the Bunny Ranch. Yes. And he goes... For those of you that are still here, we have another surprise. Any of you go within the next 72 hours to the Bunny Ranch in, in Nevada, you get to have sex with a prostitute for free. And it was the best... Se- I'm kidding, I didn't take them up on that part. But <laughs> sure. then uh, they say, and to all of you, we have one last surprise since you're the diehard fans. We're going to take a candlelight vigil and walk the eight blocks down the street to Andy's first apartment here in Hollywood. We've asked people to move out. We put a whole museum to Andy in the apartment. Shit. And we got led up just five at a time because it was like 3.30 in the morning at this point into the place to see his outfits and all of his artifacts. But I stay with my boy Scott Richards until the very end. He's a huge Andy Kaufman fan as well because Tony Clifton was down there with every group until the end. So we stayed to the very end and got all these inside stories from Tony Clifton directly about people that Andy banged on the set of Taxi and all these things and like bang Mary Lou Henner and all these things and no like shit. oh I used to bang the banger like this <laughs> um, or I don't know if it was him banging her or maybe it was Judd Hirsch or Tony Dan's I think actually what he said was all three of them but this uh, maybe my memory's wrong yeah yeah I'm not gonna don't quote, quote me on this yeah. this is not bring broadcast right Yeah. and then but it was just the most amazing night ever that was when I really bonded with Tony and um, Tony did my podcast years later uh, last week on Earth, you can subscribe, and um, and uh, I, bel- I I think there's a good chance that it was Andy Kaufman in my apartment. Really, I really do. Like uh, in like a conduit sort of way. No, like in the rumors that he's maybe faked his own death. Uh huh. And appears sometimes as as Tony Clifton is true. That's a tantalizing thought, and uh, with that, I think we are going to go. Thank you. Ben Glebe. It's been my pleasure. At Ben Glebe, BenGlebe.com, the Laugh It Off tour tickets available now. Last week on Earth podcast. See you next time, bud.